loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports NBA podcast, along with Ralph Barbieri and Miles Grossman. I'm Colin Lochran. Happy to be with you during this holiday season. Just a couple days removed from Christmas, a couple days away from the new year. It's a busy time of year, both on the hardwood and off the hardwood. First of all, though, guys, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Colin. Sorry about that. Um, you know, happy to be here. I think, um, you know, the, the Christmas day was pretty fun for me. I was impressed by those Knicks in particular that I'm out here on the West Coast. That 9 a.m. game was pretty fun for me. And I know you were you were pretty ecstatic over there as well, Colin. Absolutely. A great win for a Knicks team that needed that type of victory. Ralph. I was greatly impressed by Jalen Brunson in particular. Yeah, Jalen Brunson, I mean, continues to prove that he's probably the best, uh, got to be the best contract right now in the league. Um, he went off, and I mean, that saved my Christmas. We'll get into the particulars of that next victory. We'll touch on the Nets and the Phoenix Suns as well. But the place that we have to start is in Detroit. Guys, it has been a horrendous year. For the Detroit Pistons, they lost their 27th straight game last night. This one to the Brooklyn Nets by a final score of 118 to 112. That's an NBA record, 27 straight losses. From a general perspective, this is bad for basketball because Detroit is a great basketball city when the team is doing well. You think about some of the great teams they've had. Specifically, my mind goes to Isaiah Thomas in the 80s. Their rivalry with Jordan. Their rivalry with Bird and the Celtics. The NBA would like to see a city like Detroit have success on the court miles. And this product is not acceptable. Yeah, Colin, this is getting to the point where it's even larger than basketball. This is one of the worst streaks in sports history. And I mean, you know... It's not like they don't have any talent. It's not like there's that big of a discrepancy between the Detroit Pistons and the other bottom feeders in the NBA. Yet you have squads like even the Charlotte Hornets grabbing routine wins. I mean, it's 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 odd to see. And I think, you know, I, I, the, the most frustrating part is, I think, you know, I tuned into part of the most recent loss against the Nets is that they hung around, you know, they can compete. It's just about getting over the hump. And I think the longer this goes on, it's almost this monkey on their back. They led through the first quarter, right? They can compete with a middling team, a nine seed type squad in the Brooklyn Nets, but it's almost becoming that mental factor down the stretch that they can't get out of their own way. I was was just going to say, yeah, it, it feels it almost starts to feel like uh like a win streak where it's like oh they're like they can't they can't win every single game it's like how could they lose every single game like it, it almost starts to feel like it goes in that in that other direction and it's like you said they're they're competing it's not like they're getting killed by certain it's just it's just strange it's, it's an anomaly like to lose this much in the nba 
it's it's rare. It doesn't happen. I almost think I, it's harder to lose this many games than to win one every right. once in a while. And I look at this roster specifically, and some of the blame has to go towards head coach Monty Williams because it is a talented roster. There are guys that can do different things well. But I also have to put some of that blame on the players because these are the guys shooting the basketball. They're the ones taking the court night in, night out. Cade Cunningham reminds me a lot of Ben Simmons. It's a very similar build. He's similarly athletic. He's a distributor when it comes to who he can find. The stats are comparable career-wise. Now, Simmons obviously has a bigger sample size, and in some respects, Cunningham is better. But you'd be surprised to know Ben Simmons has a better field goal percentage than Cade Cunningham, career. Now, Cunningham's taking a different type of uh, approach to his jump shots when he gets looks. He doesn't. He takes a little bit more jump shots than than Simmons ever has, or you know. And I think there's an element of hoping for a three point game there when it comes to Cade Cunningham, whereas the boat has sailed away in that regard as it pertains to Ben Simmons. I, I don't know if you can build around a player like a Cunningham or a Simmons going forward. The hope probably was that those guys would turn into a LeBron Magic type of player. What I mean by that is they have a bigger build, they can distribute the basketball, they can beat you going downhill, and maybe they have a jump shot here or there. Now, LeBron and Magic, different stratosphere altogether, that was the hope when you get a Ben Simmons or when you get a Cade Cunningham. I just think Detroit might have to look in different directions to become more competitive as they head towards their future. I'm not saying the rebuild is dead. They have talent there. I would seriously consider investing miles in some better three-point shooting. They're in a weird phase of this rebuild. If you remember pretty recently, they were completely unwilling to ship off Bogdanovich, their vet, which I found pretty interesting, unwilling to commit to this young core. And I think, you know, when you bring, when you, when you're unwilling to give up on Bogdanovich, you're kind of saying, well, this veteran presence helps us win a couple NBA basketball games right now. Bogdanovich is a player you would ship for legitimate assets immediately if you were committed to this, you know, not winning for three years. But they weren't really content with that. And now I think that's a big part of why they found themselves here. They didn't commit to either. They wanted to keep Bogdanovich around and then still have this developing young core. Well, the young core is very much not there yet. And then Bogdanovich is not nearly enough of an NBA superstar to hold his weight in that sense. I'm I think the you know what stands out right now to me is it was a bad move to not ship Bogdanovich, right? Get him out of here, get some assets and try and turn the ship around. Like you, you got to commit to one or the other if you're the Detroit Pistons. And right now, I mean, I, I like your point about Cade Cunningham not being someone to build around. But I think that part of the issue is also that they haven't committed fully to building around him. I mean, Thompson is, is a talented player. I think that, you know, maybe four or five years they have one or two of the pieces. But unfortunately – even throughout this process of the rebuild, they've had a couple misses. I don't know if, you know, Duran and, and these guys like Ivy are going to be like the, the reliable superstars that they think they're going to be in the next four or five years. And, you know, given the misses, given the commitment to Bogdanovich, it's a weird mess over there. And I think, you know, to me, it is time to I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily give up on Cunningham, but it's time to get rid of some 
some guys and it's time to you know start this new chapter specifically yeah, they're, they're, in, uh, they're in like purgatory it feels like and i understand um obviously obviously cage their guy but uh, i mean what what else do you do who are their other assets like He's he's the only thing they'd get something for. It feels like you might have to tear it down and do it all over again. The Pistons' next game coming up is a real doozy. They'll be taking on the Celtics tomorrow in Boston. In the words of Kendrick Perkins, I have a better chance of a breakfast in the morning with Beyonce and Oprah than they do of beating the Celtics tomorrow. That's a great place to leave off our Pistons discussion. Let's ship back here to New York and talk about those New York Knicks. They got a much-needed win over a team that they have struggled against all year long. Entering Christmas Day, they were 0-3 against the Milwaukee Bucks. They defeated them 129-122 to 122 on Christmas Day. Jalen Brunson was phenomenal, 38 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Ralph, this was the type of win they needed to get, specifically now that they are pretty sure Mitchell Robinson will not be coming back. I think this win takes on new importance given that they got good performances from Taj Gibson and Isaiah Hartenstein down low against the likes of the Greek freak and even Brooke Lopez who's a shifty veteran. Yeah, it, it's so it's so critical that it was a, a big win against uh the Bucks first of all, it, it which is a team that uh obviously thinks have struggled against all season long. Um they've shot the lights out against uh against the Knicks. But also because, to your point, the entire team really played a very, very, very solid game uh, where you could look at every single player on the court for the Knicks and say, okay, that's exactly what we need from you. Um, so so you could also get it as, as like a statement win where, where it's like the Knicks are they're saying, we can compete with this team. The, the Bucks are one of those teams where it's like, if you want to be taken seriously as a contender in the East, it's like, okay, you know, beat the Bucks. Uh, and that's and that's exactly what they did. They really when when the lights were at their brightest on Christmas, you know, they came through. Yeah, it was a really impressive victory. I mean, you know, I think the first of all with Milwaukee, it's not a finished product. You can tell that Dame is not prime Dame right now. At the times, Milwaukee looks like a clunky offense, and you know, it's it's really the defensive side of the ball that's probably most worrisome about the Milwaukee Bucks right now. They're not playing championship-level defense. You saw New York get in transition like it was no problem throughout those those 48 minutes. I mean, that was probably what was most shocking was the, 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 the lack of defense for those Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, it was just buckets at ease for the Knicks. And I think, you know, amidst the whole 1A controversy, the Becky Hammond comments – I'm happy to see Brunson shine. You know, I'm a little guy. I like little players. I think it is, you know, it's it's kind of a confusing conversation to me because let's be real. He isn't going to be 1A on a championship team in this NBA. Or is this version of the New York Knicks going to down the Boston Celtics with Jalen Brunson as a 1A superstar, as their tier one guy? Probably not. So while, you know, I like that Brunson is, is getting hot amidst the, the, the comments, I think what Becky Evans said is pretty dang true. And I don't really trust Jalen Brunson as a 1A superstar down the stretch in a playoff series. Nevertheless, he's got a lot to be proud of right now. And I think that, you know, amidst the 
pivoting a little bit here, but amidst the Mitchell Robinson situation, Hartenstein really held his own down low, and that was pretty dang impressive. To your point about Brunson, I don't know if he's a 1A guy against a fully healthy Bucks or Celtics squad, but could he deliver them an Eastern Conference Finals win against a rattled Boston Celtics squad or an injured Milwaukee Bucks squad? Yeah, probably, because then it depends on what you get from Julius Randle, what you get from R.J. Barrett and others. I don't think that there's a universe where Brunson is like prime LeBron or prime Durant or Giannis in that 2021 run where you look at him and go, we need 50 points. Could he give you 50 points? Yeah, he's done it even this year. But it's a different build. It's a different way. He's got to earn every basket he gets. That's part of the reason why New Yorkers have really taken to him during his time here. And you look at the Eastern Conference picture right now. The Knicks are 17 and 12, sixth in the East, right behind Miami and Orlando. And then there's more of an upper echelon where it goes Boston, the Bucks, and the 76ers, the top three. Outside of that top three, I think the Knicks could take on Miami. I think they could take on Orlando and obviously can take on anyone below them. So right now, this is about getting the defensive chemistry set. The three-point shooting has been remarkable this year considering where they were last year. They're towards the top half of the NBA in terms of three-point percentage. Last year, they struggled to shoot the basketball from range, so that's a pleasant surprise. Now you got to get the defense right, especially without Mitch. You're going to need Hartenstein to step up. You're going to need Gibson to step up. I like the fact that they went out and got Gibson. He's very familiar with Coach Thibodeau's system. He knows how things work here in New York. He's a veteran presence. He's been in big playoff games. That counts when you got a younger group of guys like Quickly and Grimes and even Barrett, who's only 23, for those that may have forgotten. So the Knicks are in a good spot. It's just a matter of can you get the right win at the right time against the right team? You need a lot to go right to win a championship. In that, in this instance, rather, the Knicks will need a lot to go right in terms of their competition. Could someone be a little bit tattered? Could someone get upset and ask out at the trade deadline? It's the NBA. Anything could happen, especially when you look at powder kegs right now, like a Philly, or I would even put Orlando in that conversation, given how young they are. I don't think that they're going to flame out by any stretch, but they could have a wonky run, and New York could take advantage of that. They have to be the more disciplined team if they want to really make a run at this rail. Yeah, I mean, they've got to use that that experience that they've already uh, culminated a little bit. And I, I really think that, you know, it's, it's like you say, you need you need luck. You know, it's, it's so much is dependent on injuries. I, I do think, I mean, just, just last year, it, it looked like if things go slightly different, uh, you know, the, the, the Knicks maybe beat the Heat. Um, and I, I still think that, you know, something like that is possible this year. But obviously, I mean, to be determined. Oh, without question. I think last year's series against Miami proved that you could go toe-to-toe with a team that is red hot. What we don't know is if they can take on a team that is a juggernaut. That's a different kind of situation. I don't know if any Knicks fan is ready for that conversation, given we're only in December. Talk to me in February, March about where this team is chemistry-wise, and then we can start having those type of discussions regarding the playoffs. New York will be in Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder tonight. Let's go over to Brooklyn. They've been interesting, Miles. I know you've been covering this team. You're one of our Brooklyn Nets beat reporters 
or have been in the past. Not sure if you're still keeping active this season, but I know you've been to the Barclays a bunch to watch this team. They got two yet right wins against the Detroit Pistons after losing, I forget how many in a row. They were on a losing skid. Five in a row. There you go. So after five straight losses, they get two straight wins against the Pistons. That's about what you wanted to see from the Nets. You just wanted to see that you're still competitive. We're still awake and we're fighting for a play-in. They're fun. They're scrappy. This has been the discourse around the Nets all year. I don't know if I learned anything from these wins over the Pistons. I guess the only thing that I can really take away from it is that there is a definite floor to this team, which is a good sign for Nets fans. Yeah, I think that these two wins felt like a bit of a deep breath. I mean, those five losses, there were some ugly moments. And then I think when you're on, especially the first chunk of that losing streak is that West Coast swing. And that's hard for a young squad like the Nets. You're, you're pretty much, you know, we talk about the Knicks being 1A superstar list. Well, the Nets are for sure 1A superstar list. And, you know, it's a it's a cast of of gritty role players, as you say, some some couple grizzled veterans, a couple developing names, but it's not this, um, you know, what, how would you describe it? You, you know, it's not the Tiffany and co team in New York city, as you would say, Colin. And I think, um, you know, we've it just getting those pretty solid wins over Detroit says like, well, Hey, we know we're not in that ballpark. We know that we are in that bordering playoff squad. Even if we, we fall, I think, you know, the, the injuries have been hard. The Nets have been a little bit behind the eight ball. Ben Simmons still just, you know, every, like, I believe it was last pick and pod. We got the update that it was, you know, reevaluate in two weeks, reevaluate in two weeks. That's the reevaluate in four weeks. That's the everyday story with Ben Simmons. Um, kind of a nothing statement. I mean, he's progressing with the, you know, lower back nerve impingement, but it, it, I don't think he's going to be an impact player this year. Simple as that. He he kind of, you know, tricked me going into the year. I believed in the guy. It was simple as that. I thought this year was going to be a turning point for Ben Simmons and he was going to be a key piece for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it didn't happen, but I think, you know, absolutely the, the wins surrounding Christmas, both with Detroit, they feel good. You know, you're not Detroit. And I think you move into a little bit of a tough stretch. Got to play, got to play Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, a couple other middling NBA squads. I think that you know this 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 week is a bit of a of another prove it stretch for the Nets. If you can have another over five hundred week, you're kind of you know treading water at that borderline playoff spot. Still, they're in the nine place right now in the East, Ralph. I keep talking myself into the Nets climbing up towards that six spot based on who's around them. I mean, it sounds crazy at first glance, but when you look at it more carefully, you start to go, okay, I can see kind of where you're coming from. The Pacers are in eighth place. Therese Halliburton has been exceptional this year, but there's room there for a couple of bad losses. They're not a superstar team by any stretch. And then right above them in the seventh spot are the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there's been multiple reports that Donovan Mitchell is frustrated. The team is frustrated. We don't know really what's going on there. I, I think Donovan Mitchell's future is largely up for debate. I could see him actually landing in Brooklyn in the near future. That's a different discussion. And then, of course, the Knicks, the Heat, and the Magic, four, five, six. Knicks and six, Heat and five, Magic and four. And you know how I feel about Orlando. For as talented as they are, they're young. So Brooklyn has some level of consistency there dating back to last season after Durant and Irving were shipped off and everyone sang Kumbaya and Jacques Vaughn 
had a great last half of the year to get them into the playoffs. Ralph, it's not crazy to me to say this team could climb up to the sixth seed. It's not crazy. The entire, the entire uh, bottom echelon of, of the Eastern Conference, it's really up for grabs. Any, any, any matchup, you know, Pacers, Nets, uh, what have you, you know, that can go either way, really. Um, the Pacers have kind of slowed down. You know, they, they obviously, obviously they were exciting. Um, but they, they just made some 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 uh, roster changes. I believe Obi Toppin just got benched. Um, and I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of seasons left. I I could see Orlando falling. Um, I could see Pacers continue to fall. I don't know. It really just it really just depends on on if the Nets can, you know, kind of go on a run, uh, kind of use the talent they have. Because they do have they, they have a lot of really good players over in Brooklyn, um, so yeah, Brooklyn definitely the type of squad that's going to need a lot to to go right for them. Excuse me. And you look at Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. It's looking as if the Nets won the Durant trade in the long term. Maybe not in the short term. I think it's foolish to say that the Nets won right now. Because Phoenix could very well turn around and win a championship. Brooklyn, still largely an unknown quantity, Miles. I mean, Cam Johnson, sorry, I have myself on mute there, but you get Cam Johnson. I mean, that's a that's a legitimate budding superstar. You know, no one really talks about Cam Johnson as that guy, but he is in that top tier to me. And I think long term, you look at him, you know, he's he's 27, he's not. He's not like Cam Thomas. He's not 23. He's not 22. But there's a lot to to look forward to in, in Johnson. And I think, you know, he's a player that is one of the many names that battled injuries. I don't think he he missed a chunk of training camp. I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't healthy for the first couple of weeks of the year. I, I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a name that Brooklyn Nets fans should focus on. Is That's a name we want to keep around. He's, he's like you say, can't, uh, Cunningham not a name to build around. In a way, Johnson kind of could be as he turns into that little bit more of a of a veteran wing, right? He's not that guy that's going to be your everyday, right, number one option. But he, as he gets older, he's sure going to be an everyday reliable veteran. He's going to, you know, if he's not a value player for the Nets, he's going to be a value player somewhere. That's a bold take. I don't know if I'd say you can build around Cam Johnson. Yeah, that, that build might be... around in a weird way. I'd say build around is he can be a very reliable veteran piece. Okay. In the, in the Cade Cunningham context, you're right. That's a little bit of a different conversation. We'll have to save that one for another time. The Nets taking on the Milwaukee Bucks this evening. I believe that game is in Brooklyn. Indeed, it is at the Barclays Center. Nets 15 and 15 on the year. They're kind of punting on this game sitting some key pieces, Claxton, for instance, not playing. You can get all of your updates from Owen Kelty, who will be at the Barclays Center covering that one. We only have a little bit of time left here, but I want to talk about it because it does relate to the Brooklyn Nets. We mentioned the Kevin Durant trade that sent KD to Phoenix. There are reports circulating now that people within the Suns organization feel frustration with Durant because the team has not been very good this year. They're towards the bottom of the Western Conference. They have not been the juggernaut that they were expected to be. Bradley Beal hasn't played for much of the season. Their projected starting five, I believe, has not played together this season, which is a problem. 
Phoenix could very well look to trade Durant or Booker if this gets truly out of hand. I don't know if it happens, but it's worth keeping our eye on because we know Durant wants to win. We know he wants to be a part of a title contender. Now, he refuted claims that he's frustrated, but didn't go so far as to say that there aren't people in the organization, Miles, that are frustrated. It's certainly something worth keeping our eye on, especially if you're a Brooklyn fan, if you're a Knicks fan. I would even say the dark horse, in my opinion, is Philadelphia. Could they be inclined to really just go for it with a potential Embiid-Durant duo and roll the dice? I don't know. But it's not a stretch to say that Kevin Durant will end his season someplace else. Not at all. Not a stretch at all, Colin. I think, you know, this Phoenix Suns team has such a high ceiling. And what kind of gets lost here is Bradley Beal not playing basketball again. I mean, the best of – Best abilities, availability, they say Bradley Beal doesn't play a lot of basketball. And then that's, that's uh, you know, an element that raised the ceiling for this team that kind of seems like a falsehood now. Like, did was that was that ceiling ever really there of, of, of a solid starting five that included Booker, Durant, Beal? Was that ever really a possibility? Was that three names that was going to be healthy at the same time? Similarly to Brooklyn, we didn't see a lot of the big three all at the same time. And, you know, the stats are there in the case of Kevin Durant, 30.3 a game. But what's, what's not there is the eye test. You see moments where he's now running back on D. He's frustrated. I think the clip went semi-viral of, of Booker. You know, he, he was wearing the mic on Christmas Day saying, y'all not getting back on defense. I don't even know who turned it over, but it wasn't Booker. And then Booker's the only one in transition on the chase down. You could see that kind of, you know, infighting there. And I think, you know, Kevin Durant's always that player where you couldn't question the talent, but you could question, is he a two-way guy that tries every possession, especially in his later years and the fact that he's a major centimillionaire. It's certainly fair to question his effort and his intensity. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Durant was elsewhere by the end of the year, Colin. And, you know, Durant's a player that, especially in his later years, might become more of a, a liability on the defensive end. Is he going to commit day in and day out? I I completely agree with that. I think when you – well, first of all, I don't blame Phoenix for being frustrated. But, you know, Kevin Durant, he's the common denominator. So, I mean, you know, look at his track record. This is what happens. I think you, you said before it could be interesting to see an Embiid AD team up, but it's like – do you want to risk that? Because because look what happens. Phoenix, years past, they're rolling. Now look at them. Uh, for what it's worth, I think Kevin Durant is the ultimate player in the NBA that when you acquire him, it makes you a contender, in my opinion. You could say that about Giannis. You, you could probably make the same argument as it pertains to Embiid. But for my money, I want a guy that can shoot the ball, can beat you downhill, can, big emphasis on the word can here, play decent defense, and that's Kevin Durant. I think any team at the NBA should jump at that. And I'll add to that, Colin, in that he's the only available one of those top-tier guys, right? Embiid, sure, he's more of a difference maker. Sure, Giannis more of a difference maker. You're not touching those guys. Durant, he might be available. And for what it's worth, Booker could be also available in that equation. The Knicks have been drawn to Booker in the past, so they're a team to keep 
uh, an eye on because a Booker Brunson backcourt would be insane to watch here in New York. So all is not well in Phoenix. They're 14 and 15, 11th in the Western Conference behind teams like the Lakers and Warriors, who are also veteran clubs that are struggling. Perhaps that's a trend we're seeing now this season in the association. These veteran teams are struggling. The youth movement in full swing. Even look at a team like the Rockets or the Pelicans. They're hanging in there. They've got young talent. They're playing well. These older teams starting to really show their true age. That's going to be all the time we have on this edition of Pick and Pod, though. For Ralph Barbieri and Miles Grossman, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.